It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. My Unsung Hero with Chelsea Grimes on Talk Sport. I'm Chelsea Grimes, singer, songwriter, and footballer. And the ball's played through for Chelsea Grimes! This series, My Unsung Hero, it's a place where we get to talk to not only some of the best footballers in the game, but we get a real in-depth sight at, you know, what this whole roller coaster and making it to the top has been like for the people closest to them. This week, I'm speaking to Liverpool fullback Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson, and he scored! Terrific finish by the Liverpool man. I'm Andy Robertson and my young son heroes are my mum and dad. For me, you know, massive, massive Liverpool fan. To get to sit down with a Liverpool player is always special. But, you know, to me, personally, Andy Robertson's the best left-back in the Premier League. You know, just listening to his journey from the bottom right up to the top, you know, winning the Premier League, winning the Champions League, it's what dreams are made of. And it was, you know, I, I took a lot from it. Not just being a Liverpool player, but it was just inspiring to listen to his story. And Robertson gets his goal from 12 yards out, drills it beyond the two bodies on the goal line. You know, sometimes we do get the unsung hero with us, and other times they're a little bit camera shy. So Andy's dad, shout out to you. You sound amazing. Maybe we'll get you on at some other point, but this is Andy Robertson, my unsung hero. Amazing. I'm here today with the best left-back in the world. It's Andy Robertson. I'm going to kick things off by asking the question we ask everyone on the show. Andy, who is your unsung hero? Yeah, so probably my unsung hero or heroes are um, probably my mum and dad. You know, I wouldn't be the the footballer or probably the man I am without them. The amount of running about they've done for me when I was a lot younger and probably still do to this day then you know, for they to do a lot of sacrifice for me back then, um, you know, it meant a lot and obviously it helped me get to to where I wanted to be and and where I am now. Now, I'm very Scouse, you're very Scottish. We're going to go right back. Talk to me what it was like growing up. Yeah, I was always always into football. You know, my first steps was running towards a football in the back garden. You know, my mum and dad had always... It always said it. So, you know, from an early age, I was always into football. I had a bigger brother that me and him always used to go out the back garden and practice. So, you know, for me, football was life from a very early from a very early age. I obviously supported Celtic, still do, and we used to go to all the games. So, um, you know, football dominated our lives from a very early age. And my mum and dad had to had to run me and my brother to different venues and at different times at weekends and stuff. And you don't appreciate it until probably you're a bit older and. You think, yeah, you know, what they did for us was incredible. So, but yeah, football's always been number one for us. Me and my brother, we've always, 
we've always um, enjoyed it and you know luckily I took it a bit a bit further than him. Here's Robertson who's got a real second win with the shots and a goal on the near post. Scotland back in it with seven minutes to go. Andy Robertson with the goal. I always find it interesting as well. A lot of people think that to become a professional footballer, you need really pushy parents. Were your parents pushy at all? You know, every father wants their son to be a footballer. So did they put that on you or did they just let you play? No, they just they just let us play and you know, obviously, you know, I probably I played at more of a serious level than my brother and more my mum and dad would wait for me to come with anything, you know, if I had any concerns or if I had any you know, if I if I thought I played bad, then they would wait for me to talk instead of, you know, them being you know, if I'd played bad shouting at me or pushing me. So, you know, they just let me be, let you know, let, you know, nature take its course, I suppose. And, you know, they ha they obviously helped me with decisions along the way massively, you know, discussed it as, you know, parents should. So they did help in that way. But no, they weren't pushy at all. And I think that worked well because, you know, I pushed myself and sometimes it was it was good to just look at them and, and look at the bigger picture and, you know, um, you know, relax on it and just try and enjoy football because especially at a young age, that's what I'd done so much. You know, I just loved being out in the park, being out in the, the back garden, wherever it was, kicking a ball. I didn't I didn't care who I was playing with, who I was, you know, where I was at or whatever. I just I just enjoyed football. And I, and I kind of took that attitude until, you know, I was probably quite old, to be fair, until the time <laughs> came where I really needed to take it seriously, do you know what I mean? And it was make or break. But, you know, up until that point, I just tried to enjoy football as much as I can because, you know, I love playing it and I still do. And um, that's always the attitude I've took. And so what happens next? What age did you start joining a team? I know you joined Celtic at a young age. I guess that's the dream to join your boyhood club. Talk me through that from schoolboy level to joining Celtic. Yeah, I joined I joined the team um Giffnock North when I was like four. But it was just it was just playing with your kinda, you know, your friends and it was just like we four aside games and stuff like that. And it's a kind of community. So I started out there and my dad ended up becoming my coach and stuff like that. He used to buy into it and all the dads used to be coaches and things like that. And then I think I signed with Celtic when I was eight or nine. So it was it was really early, but it was the best place for me. And like you said, being able to go on a Celtic strip and stuff like that, it was, it was what dreams were made of as a wee kid. Do you know what I mean, I used to go to Celtic Park and watch, you know, the Celtic team play and then being able to go out and play on a Sunday as well with the same kit on was, you know, was incredible. So, you know, I jumped at the opportunity as soon as they offered me a contract and, you know, I don't regret it. I loved every minute of it. Amazing experiences of travelling the world with them, you know, got to play and, and got to work under some, you know, fantastic coaches there as well. So, you know, I loved it. Do I wish I, well, I suppose the way the story turned out, no, I don't wish I went further, but, you know, at, at that moment, I would have loved to have played you know, for Celtic at Parkhead in front of, you know, 60,000 fans. So that was my aim when I was younger and obviously that got taken away from me, but it obviously stood me in good stead for, for what was next um, in my career. Yeah, I think everyone looks at footballers and for me on this show, I want to get deeper with the players and their personality and the fight that it takes to push past because it's not always a great fairy tale. You know, you get let go of 15, who do you turn to then? And what's the thought process for you then? Are you that character that's straight away like, let's push through this? Or are you quite soft on the inside? What are you like? No, I do have I do have a soft side and I certainly showed it that night. Um, you know, I turned to my mum and dad. I turned to my I remember I always remember my auntie came up that night that was, you know, sadly no longer with us, but um, you know, I was I was really close to her and she came up and 
and she was the one that kind of you know always told my mum and dad that I was going to make it for whatever reason she knew it nobody else probably did at one point but <laughs> she knew it and you know that's probably one of the the hardest things with me doing what I'm doing now that she's not here to kind of see that but um you know for me you know the day I got released it was hard I went home you know I cried uh you know, I, I made sure I surround myself with the family and then you obviously next day you go back into school. So, you know, I was embarrassed, not embarrassed, but I felt a bit embarrassed going back into school and having to tell my friends and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And you didn't want to tell them the bad news because, you know, you know what you're like. You're a 15 year old boy and you don't want to show, you know, any weaknesses and you want to be, uh, you know, play for Celtic, stuff like that. And and but to be fair, my, my friends that, you know, I've still got to this day and that's the reason why is because at tough times for me they've always been there and at tough times for them I, I believe that I've always been there for them so I've got a good bubble which I'd never take for granted I've got friends that I've had since I've been two or three year old and you know went through all school together with them and still really close with them and um, I never take that for granted and I never take my family for granted because at that time you know I needed them and um, you know they even when I was 15 you know they stepped up and friends just being able to have a laugh and a joke and being able to go out and just kick a ball with them, that took my mind off it. And probably without knowing, they they helped me massively. And then, you know, since then, they've always been there for me and I've always been there for them. So, you know, football is people's life. And, you know, some people struggle when the dream's taken away from them and they find no way back. Luckily for me, I was quite, you know, I, I managed to sob and get over it. And then, you know, I managed to just kind of go away on holiday and stuff and enjoy family time and enjoy friend time and then you know I went to Queen's Park which was you know I just tried to enjoy my football. Still to come on Andy Robertson, my unsung hero, we hear about how his move to the Premier League nearly didn't happen. You know we know how the Premier League spoke about and I didn't feel I was ready and then one 20 minute chat with Steve Bruce changed my whole opinion. You're listening to Andy Robertson, my unsung hero on TalkSport. Andy Robertson, my unsung hero, with Chelsea Grimes on TalkSport. I'm Chelsea Grimes and you're listening to my unsung hero on TalkSport. And in this series, we sit down with some of the best footballers who play the game, but also we get an insight to the people who've been there from the very beginning. You know, people who've kept their head up when it all looked like it could have been over. You know, for they to do a lot of sacrifice for me back then, you know, it meant a lot and obviously it helped me get to, to where I wanted to be and, and where I am now. This week, I'm speaking to Liverpool fullback Andy Robertson, whose unsung hero is his parents. I do want to start at the beginning of your senior career. You're focusing on your studies, on the brink of starting university when you called up to Queen's Park first team at the beginning of 2012-13, which doesn't even seem that long ago to me. Join Queen's Park and then it starts motoring. Were you confident as a kid that you were going to make it? Obviously, winning the Champions League is a dream that people say, but not many actually do it. Did you always think you could make it to that level? The one thing I would say that people that were close to me and things like that would say that I was always driven. I was always focused on it and I never and I never gave up on it. Any setback I kind of dealt with and, and you know, sometimes didn't listen to some people because <laughs> I thought they were wrong and tried to prove tried to prove them wrong. But, you know, I can't say that I was, you know, I was, I was confident in terms of, you know, walking about saying, you know, I'm going to be a professional footballer, it's all okay, you know. I had insecurities, you know, some I probably still have, which, 
you know, makes me still doubt myself, but which makes me, you know, prove doubters wrong, but always prove myself wrong as well, which I believe has worked for me from the very start. So, you know, I was never confident in terms of thinking I was going to make it. I always was driven to give it up my all. I wanted to give football my all, whether I dropped out the game, whether I didn't. I wanted to sit back and if I was sitting in a 9-5 job just now and go, you know what, I gave that my all and it wasn't meant to be. So, you know, luckily, <laughs> luckily it's worked out pretty well, pretty well for me. But, you know, when I first went to Queen's Park, I was, you know, I was hopeless for the first year or two. I was, I was hopeless and I, and I really, <laughs> and I, I, I could have probably easily got released from Queen's Park after my first year, but luckily they gave me another contract and then my second year I really kicked on and, um, you know, I took over a couple of people and then, I think two years after that I was in the first team and I always remember it because obviously I'd just finished school and I was on a sixth year holiday with my pals in Malia and um you know the the Queen's Park manager had phoned Ooh. me yeah the, the Queen's Park manager <laughs> had phoned me yeah he said um you know I want you to come in and do pre-season next week so automatically I panicked I phoned home I phoned my mum and dad to say I need to get home now I can't stay out here when I'm going away in pre-season but you know the flights were pretty expensive to get back, and we <laughs> we couldn't afford it. So I just uh, probably took it down a, a tone or two over there, and um, you know I just went on pre-season. And to be fair, um, I was flying in pre-season, and um, luckily Gardner Spears gave me my opportunity, and I started the first game, and and from that I never really looked back. But you know that season I was quite lucky because it was the season where Rangers got um, demoted down to Division Three, so there was a lot more. There was a lot more television, a lot more, you know, broadcast about the um, third division. And, you know, it meant that, you know, you could maybe pick up a couple of players. And, and luckily I was one of the players that um, Dundee United had found without that season. And um, from from January time, I think I knew I was going to get a full-time contract, which which was amazing. And it meant I could I could relax a little. So was you always a left-back hand? No, I was. I, I used to play centre-mid when I was at Celtic. And then I moved to left mid and that was one of the arguments I had with one of my coaches that I didn't think I could play left mid because I think still to this day I show that I don't really have a skill or two. I'm more about kind of, I'm more about pace and power. So um, head down. Yeah, head, head down and run, which isn't the best for a winger. So, you know, I, me and my dad went in and we says, look, I th we think he's better at left back than left mid. And the man the, the coach kind of disagreed and then you know the left back actually ended up stepping up to the under 19s and I got my chance and you know to that day I think that was the turning point for my career to be honest and I always I always look at that day thinking that was an important moment. Wow so if Brian didn't go in and speak to the coaches you could have been Sadio Mane right now. <laughs> yeah I'm not yeah I'm nowhere near Sadio I'd have been <laughs> I'd have been playing Sunday league football I think if, uh, if that had happened but um, yeah, look, I, w I wanted to go in. And, I remember it. I wanted to go in and tell the coach, but I think I was still. I was just turning sixteen at the time, and I was a wee bit. I was a wee bit shy, so I think I, I brought. I brought Brian in for a wee bit of support, <laughs> and um, luckily, luckily, a couple of weeks later, the the coach gave me the chance just because of the the left back wasn't available for a game, and to be fair, I put in a performance that you know probably made them think that I could play left back. Love that. Parents always know best. So in June 2013, you make your big move to Dundee and as Queen's Park were an amateur club, they didn't acquire a fee for you, but apparently they agreed a deal involving a percentage of future transfers, which I guess has been beneficial for them further down the line. It was, it was one thing that I made sure it happened. Um, Queen's Park were huge for me. Um, they made me 
grow as a footballer but also as a person um, and I think that's why you know Queen's Park are so special up in Scotland um, and for me I knew they didn't they weren't going to get a fee because of the status that they had they've obviously changed it now but I made sure that any move that um, any move that I did have from Dundee United then Queen's Park benefited from wow. it in some way so luckily luckily they did and they got a nice they got a nice little sum which helped them bid, build you know the new pavilion they've got and the new pitches so I'm glad I could give back because Queen's Park were so important for me like I said and the people that work there do it for nothing and um, I'm glad I could give them something back that hopefully you know the next generation um, can benefit from so um, that was something that was important to me and, and luckily Dundee United agreed to it but Probably the next year we couldn't see that they were going to get the sum that they were going to get, but it all worked out for everyone, so everyone was happy. That's a neat pass. Robertson with the chance. It's in. Andrew Robertson levels things up for Hull. So after a season at Dundee, you make the move to Premier League Hull. Can you remember the day you signed for the club? How did that feel being a Premier League player? I remember it. I wasn't, I wasn't ready to leave Dundee United. I wasn't. Um, I remember me humming and hawing for a week or so two weeks just you know the clubs were going back and forth with bids and sorting stuff and um I kept on speaking to my mum and dad and my agents and my pals and I was like I'm not ready I don't feel as if I'm ready I've only had one years of professional and um you know the Premier League you know we know how the Premier League spoke about and you know how it is you know big physical strong you know talented players and I didn't feel I was ready and then you know one twenty-minute chat with Steve Bruce changed my whole opinion. Um, I I remember I spoke to him. My agent says, "Look, speak to him, and if you still feel it, then we'll call it a day, and you know we'll wait another year or whatever." But I spoke to Steve, and you know he he said, "Look, you're ready. I, I've seen everything I need to see. I know you're ready." So I walked out the meeting and I says, "Let's go, come on." So we jumped in the car straight down to Hull, and the next day the medical was done, and um, you know it was. It was, you know, it was tough, but it was, you know, my mum and dad, I remember they never slept the night before in Hull because they thought I was going to be, tell them to get in the car and take me back up the road because <laughs> they weren't sure. And obviously everything that went along with it, it was life-changing money. It was life-changing, you know, experiences. It was, it was everything, um, you know, everything I probably dreamed of. And then when it came, I didn't want you it. Like as much, so it was strange, <laughs> but, but, but on the day I went in and I remember spoke to a couple of the lads and Robert Snodgrass and Alan McGregor were there that, I'd played with at Scotland and they had helped me massively. Um, they made me settle in so quickly and you know, on the day I had my medical, I got I got excited about it and um, I signed and luckily it was the you know, obviously not the best move I've made because the best one was definitely Liverpool, but it was a it was a massive step for me and luckily I, I made the step and I knew I was good enough and you know that gave me a huge amount of confidence to go on to do probably what I'm doing just now. You just said then, life-changing money. What did your mum and dad say to you? You know, you were still playing professionally at Dundee, but Premier League status is what kids dream of. Was there a moment when you had a thing with your parents and you thought, God, I've, I've done it? Yeah, look, it's, like, it's everything you dream of. And that's, you know, that's, that's really, you know, you want to play at the highest level. And that was definitely a huge step for me to do that. I think the night we'd signed and everything was signed, sealed, delivered and... We stayed in the hotel um, down in Hull. Um, you know, I remember that my my two agents were down there, my mum and dad, and um, and and me. And I remember we had a meal, and I was training the next day, so I never drank. But they were having a couple of wines and a couple of, and you know, I did. I could because I could see, 
I could see how happy my mum and dad were. I could see how happy, you know, my agents were as well that I'd been with since the Queen's Park move and now, you know, they're like family to me. Um, so it showed me how much it meant to the people close to me. And that gave me a sense of satisfaction as well. Do you know what I mean? I knew the money I was going to get as well that I would help my mum and dad with, which I did. And, you know, um, luckily their life since then has probably been a bit easier than it was. And I played a part in that, which I take massive pride from and, you know, I'm glad I could manage to do it. Did you expect to play as many games as you did that season? You mentioned that Steve Bruce was a massive fan of yours, but did you expect to play as much as you actually did? I remember the first game of the season we played QPR away. The manager never told me that I was starting or anything until about an hour and a half before the game. I think it was about maybe three hours before the game. And uh, I just remember because my mum and dad were coming down to London. My mum, dad, my brother and my uncle had came down to London just in case I got any minutes or I came on or anything. And I remember walking out the meeting and I text, <laughs> I text my mum and dad um, saying, oh, and that's all I said. And I just <laughs> left it. So it couldn't have went much better for me. And then from that moment, I played pretty much every game for a long period of time. And then... To be fair, that season I got my first injury. I done my ankle and I was out for six weeks. And then after that, it was a wee bit. I was a wee bit in and out just because trying to deal with the injury, trying to protect me, stuff like that. There was also Robbie Brady played, who was playing really well. So then it was a wee bit uncertain near the end, and it ended relegation. But that first season was invaluable for me. The experiences I got, what I learned, and how I improved as a player was was incredible as well. So it was a massive season for me. So. But I was probably surprised that I played so much, but I knew once I got my chance, I was desperate to take it, and, and luckily I'd done that. You said you text your mum and dad. Do you speak to them a lot on match days? No, not anymore, no. I don't talk to anyone, really, when it gets to match. <laughs> Big time. Yeah, no, I just don't, like, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't text anyone, really. Like, they always, my mum and dad always text me wishing me good luck, and I'll reply, and then the only one I really speak to is my, my missus now. But other than that, I try and keep off my phone, and... I just don't talk to anyone, but that's the way I am. I just kind of block my way out and just try and focus on the game the whole day and then I'll reply to messages after the game. Plenty more to come on Andy Robertson, my unsung hero, including how he nearly made a move from Hull that would have dramatically altered the way his career panned out. Every time we play against Burnley, Sean Dyche always speaks to me at the end and always says, I told you you should have signed with me and, you know, he would have been amazing to work for, but... You know, I think some things are just meant to be. This is Andy Robertson, my unsung hero, with me, Chelsea Grimes, on TalkSport. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Andy Robertson, my unsung hero on Talk Sport. You're listening to My Unsung Hero on TalkSport with me, Chelsea Grimes, where we get to sit down with the players who play the game, but also we get an insight into what life's been like. You know, it's not always glossy and glamorous. Sometimes it looks like it's been all over, and who are the people who pick them up and push them on? Now, some weeks the unsung hero joins us, and some weeks they play up to the name and they're a little bit camera shy, so we just speak to the star. You know, it wouldn't be the the footballer or probably the man I am without them, the amount of running about they done for me when I was a lot younger and probably still do to this day. Diagonal ball, headed towards goal quite superbly, Andy Robertson puts Liverpool ahead. In this episode we sit down and we talk to Liverpool fullback Andy Robertson whose unsung hero are his parents, you know someone who's kept him grounded at the vital times when it all could have went wrong. I hope you enjoy it. This is Andy Robertson, my unsung hero on TalkSport. So what are they like on the sidelines? I did mention that I've started to go and watch my sister play now, and I'm a little bit like, oh, it went out. Or, oh, you could have cleared that. Are they like that? Especially now, if they go and watch you play, do you know where they are in the crowd? Do you have a little look? You know, who's the shouter? Is your mum or dad shouting? <laughs> no, it's my dad. My, my, my messies and that say they can't sit next to my dad during games and that he's, he's shouting at everyone but um, yeah he can't help himself he was like the same when we used to go to the parkhead watching Celtic so he's never going to change but look of course they're all proud from the start of the journey to now I've got a partner which has came a long way with me and two kids that love coming to watch me play as well so you know all these things help massively and you want to do it for them as well and I know where they sit and everything and you know it helps Andy Robertson who scored it he doesn't get many but this was really beautifully made and he was involved in the attack can you tell me what happened on the 21st of July 2017 I had a signed with Liverpool no hey <laughs> yeah hey by the way I thought I thought it would have been in June as well I was I was holding on for ages there okay talk me through that talk me through that please <sighs> it was a nightmare because I remember finishing the season and my missus was heavy, heavily pregnant with um, our first child and, you know, obviously with her hormones and everything, she was wanting her future sorted. Like, we, we, we needed our future sorted, but I was like, look, relax, it's like, fine, everything. And I, I expected it to be kind of... I knew Liverpool were interested in the kind of... Once the season had done, they were kind of set that they were going to get me and um, I was thinking, oh, I'll be done. Like, we went on holiday and a member says, look, if I need to fly back on a day, I'll fly back and just come back over and we'll get it done. And But then obviously, four weeks go by, five weeks go by, six weeks go by, I'm back at Hull for pre-season. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? Um, we then fly out to Portugal, I remember. Um, and then it started ramping up a bit. And I remember I left Portugal because, you know, Hull were... Her owner wasn't replying to Liverpool, which was a wee bit annoying. <laughs> um, 
and I, I remember I left I left the camp and <clears throat> I headed home for a couple of days just to to clear my head and then luckily that was it done and I was on my way down to Liverpool so it was stressful but you know you know when you know Liverpool's interested in you you're willing to wait and I was willing to wait till I would have waited till deadline day for it to be honest and um you know I was just desperate for it to happen and and that's why I was pretty patient over it because I believed it would get done it was just a matter of time not if but when and luckily it proved that way and you know 21st of July in 2017 I'll never forget because <laughs> you know you know my look my life changed when I moved to Hull but this one was a big one for me because it was you know achieving your dreams you know going to play in Anfield playing in the Champions League playing you know for Jurgen Klopp playing with all these players it was it, it was a dream come true and it um it probably didn't hit me for you know probably it probably didn't hit me I, I wish it hit me sooner than it did because that was probably why I didn't play the first couple of months because <laughs> I still seen these boys as my opponents, not as teammates. And, you know, I probably didn't believe in myself as much. And, you know, but then the trigger switched and, and luckily I've not looked back since then. Yeah, well, every Liverpool fan out there remembers that day because you are honestly and a pleasure to watch. Was there any other clubs interested? Were you close to joining any other team? I remember in January, Burnley were strongly interested and they wanted to come in and, and get me because obviously... At that point, we'd just got a new manager. We'd just got Marco Silva in and I think we were rock bottom of the league and it wasn't looking that good and Burnley were doing quite well that season, I think, and they tried to come in and get me and it didn't go through. Um, and I think they came back at the start of the summer but then they found out that Liverpool were in and I think swerved it. So, you know, every, t- <laughs> every time we play against Burnley, Sean Dyche always speaks to me at the end and always says I told you you should have signed with me and but like he you know he would have been amazing to work for you know I've got a lot of time for Sean Dyche and and what Burnley do and you know but you know I think some things are just meant to be for whatever reason in that January it never it it didn't materialize and I didn't sign for Burnley and you know it ended up being the best thing to happen to me because if I signed for them then I probably wouldn't have moved to Liverpool you know, as soon as I did, and I suppose everything works out for a reason, and and luckily that's that's mine. It's number four for Liverpool, and finally Andy Robertson, a terrific game, a terrific season. When he was given his chance at Liverpool, he scores his first since April 2017. Well, we have got to mention the big man, Jürgen. I mean, I've had the pleasure of meeting him once or twice, and obviously it's a whole different dynamic with how you know him. But what is he actually like? A lot of footballers talk about, you know, a father figure. What's he like to you? Can you go to him with anything? Yeah, he's, look, he's like, he is, he is like a father figure. You know, I think it's easy to say about managers and things like that, but he, he really is. You know, there's some, you know, there's some personal stuff I've went to him with. There's some football stuff I've went to him with. There's there's some joking stuff I've went to him with. You know what I mean? He, <laughs> he, he is, for me, he's the full package and that's why... You know, I think every every scouser and everything can can get him. Um, they understand him and they can see where he's like, you know, what he's trying to do. And I suppose me and him have kind of similar stories and stuff like that as well, which I think he always kind of relates to with me. And he's just easy to get on with, and he's and he's easy to work with. And yeah, look, of like he's a father figure, but of course he's your boss at the same time, and he and he, he needs to tell you what to do. Sometimes he shouts at you, and you have to take it on the chin. Mm-hmm. And but look, he for me he's he's the best that we can possibly hope for because like I said he's got the whole package and and when you need anything then he's your man to go to and I think when a manager's like that and his door's always open then it's hard to come by and you know I've, I've been very fortunate I've played under some great managers but you know he takes it to a new level and just the way 
he gets every everyone's situations different and the way he manages different players is incredible. I cannot love him anymore, literally, if I tried. So listen, before we go into the best bits, we have got to talk about the low bits as well. 2018 Champions League final. You lose 3-1 to Real Madrid. How big of a learning curve was that for you and the whole of the team? Yeah, for us it was, um, you know, although we got beat, it was a huge step forward because... I think that showed, you know, the Premier League and it showed the Champions League that Liverpool were kind of back and we were and we believed that we were making strides of improvement and and the fact that we got to the final that year then, you know, you know, we had to qualify that season. You know, we had to beat Hoffenheim and in, in a qualification and you know, probably nobody thought at the start that we were going to be anywhere near the final. We just proved everyone wrong and we beat some good teams along the way. So Look, of course, it ended in disappointment, but it was a huge learning curve for us. And, you know, it's strange, like, it's easy to talk about now because what's happened, but it just felt as if that was just the start. Like, after the game, it felt like a defeat and it felt as if we're going to be in this position again and whether it was going to be the Champions League or whether it was going to be Premier League or a cup or whatever, it just felt as if we were going to be in this situation again with that group of boys, with that manager. And I think we obviously proved that the next season, so... It's easy to say now that we've got the medals, but it did generally feel like that in the changing room after it. It was kind of like, okay, we've made a big step this season. So to play on the biggest stage, it was amazing. And um, to do it two years running was, was unthinkable, but luckily we managed it. And um, luckily we managed to get the right colour of medal the, the following year. Yeah, and also in 10 months, you've gone from flirting with relegation at Hull to bang Champions League final. I mean, that must have been mad for you. And obviously this show is about the people that have been there for you through your high and your low moments. What was the conversation like with your mum and dad after that Champions League final loss? Did you have a little talk to him? To be fair, I tried to... I kind of blocked myself away from everyone. I, I just... <laughs> I, the, because I hadn't slept. We flew straight back from Kiev. It was, you know, a decent flight. When we got back in, it was like half five, six. So most people went to bed. I stayed up because the kids were just getting up and... I just stayed up with him because I thought at that stage he couldn't talk so it was perfect because I didn't want to talk to anyone so I just uh, <laughs> kind of went away with him and then I remember in the morning I think it got to about half nine, ten and me and my dad went round to home base because we knew everyone was coming round so it's mad to think that only you know 12 hours before I was playing the biggest game of my life and then I'm in home base trying to buy a barbecue <laughs> but that's what it was I was just trying to take my mind off it and everything that went along with it and then you know, it was actually quite a nice night we had because I surrounded myself with the people that have been on the whole journey with me. And, you know, we, it wasn't a celebration, of course. It was more, you know, we just had a couple of drinks and just, you know, tried to take some sort of pride from it. Um, and I managed to do that. And then, you know, I went away and enjoyed my holiday and, and was ready to go again. So, you know, I didn't really speak to anyone, to be honest. I just kind of separated myself from everyone. And um, I think that was the best way to, to deal with it. They have won! the Champions League failure 12 months ago but success sweet sweet success in Madrid success for Liverpool so yeah let's talk about the success 2019 Champions League final 2-0 win over Spurs what was that like for you We've spoke about your journey to the top and then you stood on the podium as a Champions League winner. Can you describe that feeling for us? I remember I remember leading up to the second Champions League, I tried to take a lot more in because I felt as if the first one, I kind of blocked everything out and I was just focused on the game and stuff like that. So I, I tried to enjoy it a lot more. I tried to enjoy the fact that, 
you know, my pals were messaging me and my family were messaging me and, you know, and stuff like that. So I tried, I tried to enjoy it a lot more, especially the week leading up to it. So, and I knew I was going to try and take everything in. So luckily I managed to do that and luckily it just so happened that the result fell into place as well. But, you know, even if we got beaten Madrid, I would have enjoyed Madrid a lot more than Kiev. But luckily we, we didn't and we got off to the best possible start and then, you know, Big Div goes and scores. Sarigi, it's 2-0 and it is the European Cup for Liverpool. That feeling when that shot hit the back of the net, you know, it was just pure emotion. It was just everything kind of pouring out at one moment. I think you've seen that from all the lads and then at the full-time whistle, you know, I remember I just fell to my knees and I hugged James Milner and... And then, you know, so many things go through your head. You know, you think about the people that sadly weren't with you, you know, sadly people that aren't there. And and then you think about the people that are in the stadium, how happy they were. You know, my, you know, my missus, um, you know, my, my oldest kid was there, you know, my mum and dad, my brother, my, my friends, all my uncles, all my missus family. So, you know, you start thinking about them and then, you know, luckily my missus and and the wee man managed to get on the pitch and just being able to hug them and hold them and get a picture of the trophy was... And then, you know, out of nowhere, my mum and dad came down like five minutes later and just seen them. You know, I don't see my dad cry. I think I've never really seen my dad cry. And and in that moment, he just couldn't control himself. And, and, and that really hit me because, you know, I knew what I'd done. And obviously, like, you do know what you've done, but when you see, you know, your missus crying, when you see your mum and dad crying, it, it, you know... It, of of tears of happiness it just gives you that sense of joy and pride and everything and then I managed to see my brother and a couple of my aunties and uncles after the game at the big party that you performed at and um <laughs> you know just being even just being able to like hug my brother and stuff who who sacrificed so much when he was younger do you know what I mean when my mum and dad were taking me up and down the country and he was maybe left with my auntie and uncle and stuff like that to be able to then you know hug him and say you know we've done it it's not me that's done it we've, we've all done it because we've all you know, we've all put towards this and, um, you know, it was, it was an incredible night and the next day was incredible as well. And it's a couple of days that I'll never, ever forget. Something I'll always look back on with, you know, great memories. Anytime it comes up, I always put a smile on my face and it's something that, you know, you can't even imagine that you become champions of Europe and, and luckily I managed that and with a, with a great group of boys as well. You've became the first Scot to win the tournament since my other Scottish mate, Darren Fletcher. I played with him at Soccer Aid. What a lovely guy. But he was an unused sub in 2008. So you've gone on, you know, you've beat him there. You're the first to actually be on the field in a winning team since Paul Lambert in 1997. Obviously now you're Scottish captain. Just say a little bit about that, please. Um, again, you know, talking about dreams and goals, that must be highly, highly up there. Yeah, it means it means the world. You know, playing for my country means the world. Never mind being able to lead them out, and you know, to join that small list of Scottish players that have won it and stuff. You know, I played with Fletch at Scotland, and you know, he was my captain, and I've got so much time for him. He helped me massively when I first moved to Liverpool. I remember I relied on him a lot. So for people like that to join that list was was incredible. But you know, to be captain of your country, you can't get anything better than that. You know, every time I go up there, I love it. I love putting the armband on and I love leading the country and now we've started getting some good results, which always helps. <laughs> you know, at the start, it was a wee bit ropey and, you know, I probably came in, came under a bit of criticism because I was captain and because the results weren't as good as they should have been, but now we're, we're getting a couple of positive results. Mitrovic, right, for yeah! the David Marshall has done it and Scotland are heading to the European Championships. 
for me to be able to lead the lads to their first major tournament since 1998 would be so incredible and so emotional and, and be right up there with, with what I've achieved already. Andy Robertson is now one of the most recognisable names in world football. And up next, he tells us how a kid from Glasgow achieved his dream of becoming a Premier League champion. I'm just a wee guy from Glasgow that never believed that this could happen. You know, I'm so lucky that it has happened and, you know, I can't thank enough the people that have helped me to get here. You're listening to Andy Robertson, my unsung hero on TalkSport. Andy Robertson, my unsung hero, with Chelsea Grimes on TalkSport. Congratulations to Liverpool. Finally, they are the champions of England again. I'm Andy Robertson. My unsung heroes are my mum and dad. What about your dad, Brian? Big up, Brian. Was he a player? Did you ever watch him? I know he was friends with a few good players. So what was that like? Yeah, like when my dad when my dad was growing up, um, he had quite a serious back surgery when he was like in his, his teenage years. So he didn't he didn't really play as much. He still got um, you know a metal rod right down his spine. So you know his close friends were were Charlie Nicholas, who I'm sure pretty much everyone knows, and Jim Duffy as well, who who made a name for himself in the game as well. And he's still managing he's still managing up in Scotland now. So. And my uncle was uh, Stephen Frail, who played with Hearts and played with Tranmere um, and stuff like that. So, you know, I've been I've been brought up with football. Um, you know, these people have all they've all of them have played a part, small or big. They've all, you know, especially you know my uncle Stephen, I've been able to turn to times as well. So, look, having these people around you helps massively. You know, but I never I never seen my dad play, but I think I would love to see him play now. Um, I think it would be it'd be quite a game to be fair. <laughs> I was gonna say, is your dad one of those memes where he says he could have been a pro? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he doesn't give that shout. I think he knew he had no chance from the day one. So, um, but <laughs> he still claims he's the best player in our family. So, well, you've got the medals, haven't you? And he thrusts the trophy. The Premier League trophy into the air. Liverpool's 19th title. They are the Premier League champions of 2019-2020. We have to speak about winning the league. You know, COVID struck, so it was done in odd circumstances. But what are your most memorable moments from that season and how's it been for you since becoming a Premier League champion? You know, I think that, you know, like you said, the day you sign for this club, you realise how desperate people are for the Premier League. And, uh, you know, as a group of boys, we've been able to deliver it. And that's something that is so special. You know, going 30 years as like a club like Liverpool without a Premier League title was far too long. And, you know, they came close a couple of years, um, you know, before that. But, you know, being able to get that trophy and give it back to the club and the fans and everything was was incredible. But, you know, there were so many games. There were so many games. It was, you know, the... The Crystal Palace game, you know, after COVID when we beat them 4-0 and we knew, OK, we're one point away or whatever we were and it was like, we've made the final step, we're nearly there. And then, you know, Leicester away was incredible. You know, the, the Trent show, um, I think that game's remembered for. <laughs> Man United at home will always be remembered for me. Liverpool win the game and Mohamed Salah has his first ever goal against Manchester United and this relentless march to the Premier League title continues. You know, when Mo scored that goal late on and the cops started singing, you know, we're going to win the league, that was... You know, when you when you think about it, that, that's something that always stands up. You know, it always gives me the, you know, goosebumps thinking about that because that's the moment 
a whole a whole club and a whole community believed that we were going to do it and that we were that close and 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 to be able to be on that pitch at that moment when everyone believed was was incredible and something that I'll never ever forget so I think for me it would have to be the Man United game because that was the moment that everyone started to believe everyone knew we were so close and nobody was standing in our way and and that was that was an incredible feeling um just incredible to you know to be sat in the middle of that pitch when the whole when the whole stadium is singing that was was special and you've obviously released a book titled Robbo now you're gonna believe us oh yeah my story can you tell us a little bit about that how it come about and you know what's it like being an author yeah, I remember. I remember they came to me at, um, at January time and just basically said, "Look, if you win it, would you be interested in in doing this?" And I remember saying, "No." I said, "No, like that's not me. Um, everything like that. I don't really want to do it." But then, you know, um, just before lockdown had happened, I'd, I'd started setting up my own charity, AR Twenty Six, which will help underprivileged kids. And I thought. You know the money. The money I raised from this will go towards that, and it's you know too good to turn down for me to write down, you know my thoughts on this incredible season is nothing to compare to, you know what hopefully it will help um, these people. So that swayed me, and then once I got going and I really started to enjoy it. To be fair, once you I, loved it. Yeah, I did. Um, you know the first maybe chapter I was a wee bit apprehensive about it, a wee bit like oh, should I be doing this? You know what I mean? I'm, but and then, you know, to be fair, once I got going, I really enjoyed it. You know, people helped me out with it, which, um, you know, I can't thank them enough for that. But, you know, I did enjoy it because, you know, I've got a good memory of games and what things happened and stuff. And just being able to relive it and write it down was was quite special, actually, because you actually forget how big some of the wins were, how big some of the performances were. And, um, yeah, it was basically... It was basically my chance to just give it... It was basically a love book, wasn't it? It's just a love diary, basically, to... My teammates, to the manager, to the staff in Melwood, to the fans, to my family. So yeah, it was something that I quite enjoyed doing in the end. But luckily, the the money I raise will, the money it raises will go towards the the charity that I've set up, and hopefully, it can help a lot of kids that are maybe less fortunate than than my own. Well, try not to write too much because you'll be writing songs next and taking the other job off. Me. No, 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 you can keep that. <laughs> you say in the book, actually, I'm just a wee guy from Glasgow living the dream. Does that sum it up perfectly? Yeah, that, that sums it up perfectly. You know, I try and live as, as normal a life as I can do in this, in this climate and this, you know, what, what job I'm doing. You know, like I said, I've surrounded myself with my friends that I've been with since school and you know, the, these are the things that, but it sums it up. Yeah, I'm just a wee guy from Glasgow that never, never believed that this could happen or, you know, never could imagine it. And I'm, you know, I'm so lucky that it has happened. And, you know, I can't thank enough the people that have helped me to get here. But, you know, I really am living the dream and I love this club and I love the people surrounded by it. And, you know, I want to play here for as many years as I can. Love it. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question here, but I don't want a PR answer now. I don't want no interview answers you've ever given before. I want Andy Robertson, the 15-year-old kid who got let go at Celtic. When you look back on your career so far, how do you feel? I, I, I try not to look back. I always try and look forward. But, you know, over the last couple of years, especially in the summer and stuff, I've always been able to... I've always made sure I've tried to reflect a wee bit. Um, you know, reflect of what I've done personally, what we've done collectively and everything. And it feels, it feels amazing. Like I said, 
you know the the fact that you've made a whole Liverpool family proud um, by winning that trophy, which they were so desperate for, and being able to be a part of that squad to be able to do it was, you know, something I'll never forget. Something that you know, like you said, gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. And that's not even that's not even bringing my family into it, you know. When you know I'm away a lot, you know I'm away a lot for games and stuff, and you know my missy sacrifice a lot. You know the kids, you know sometimes don't see their dad a lot of times during the week and stuff, and and to be able to make it worth their while, being able to celebrate with them and and things like that was um, is incredible. And you just you know you play football to win stuff. You know you you love winning stuff, and when you get that feeling of winning, it's just it's just an amazing feeling and you never want to let it go and that's what drives you forward to go and try and win the next one because the feeling when Hendel lifts the trophy the Champions League and the Premier League above his head it's, it's feelings that I, I can I could never recreate without it happening again and um mm-hmm. you know I, I want to see Hen- I want to see the Hendel shuffle a lot more in, <laughs> in times to come and I hope I hope we do see it and we, look we know how tough the task is going to be but we're determined to do so and we're determined to give it we're all and and hopefully we can we can create some happy times again because it's a special special feeling, especially doing it with this group of boys that are so close that you know celebrating celebrating a trophy with them you know feels amazing and we want to happen we want it to happen a lot more regular and hopefully we you know we're in control of that and hopefully we can we can achieve that. Oh, and you've been honestly amazing. The last question I'm going to leave you with. This show is called My Unsung Hero, or in your case, Heroes. What do you think your mum and dad would say is their proudest moment so far in your career? And would you be where you are today without their advice, guidance, and help? Nah, no way. Um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be anywhere near them. I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am without, you know, my whole family, you know, gave me advice, you know, gave me a chance to go and achieve my dreams, um, which I'm so grateful for. And, you know, I think, I hope the proudest thing they are of is you know the person I've turned out to be because you know you know now I'm obviously a father of my own and you know I want to bring my kids up the same way I was brought up because I believed I had a good upbringing and you know I want to try and create that for my two kids and you know that's why you know I, I can do what I do because I know I've got the support of my full family behind me and and that started from my mum and dad from an early age so I can't thank them enough I can't thank my family and friends enough and you know I'd be nowhere near who I am and where I am without them today so um, I suppose I, I need to repay them a lot and, and hopefully I've done that with, with some happy memories I've gave them and thank you so much as I said an amazing player but an even more amazing person good luck with the next chapter in your career and hopefully when this is all over I can come and watch us yeah hopefully see you soon Chelsea You've been listening to Andy Robertson, my unsung hero, with me, Chelsea Grimes. I mean, for me personally, this was just a dream come true for me, listening to a Liverpool player, you know. I've never seen us lift the Premier League before. To sit down with a player who achieved that dream and made me and all of my friends and this city so pumped and proud to be a Liverpool fan, it was just, it was amazing. You know, I learned so much. And like I said before, what a player Andy is, but an even nicer guy. Um, the things he's doing for charity, just everything about him. And um, I wish him the best of luck, again, for me personally, for Liverpool, but also for him as a professional. And a reminder, if you missed any of the show or want to catch up on a previous episode, you can listen back on the TalkSport app 
or download it as a podcast. You've been listening to My Unsung Hero with me, Chelsea Grimes, on TalkSport. Yeah.